Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're talking about Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 3, Ghosts of Illyria. Did you like this one, Vicki? They're three for three. I did really like this one. I did, too. They've all been really, really good. And I like this one. It was a pretty basic storyline. It wasn't too much of a convoluted plot. And yet it still was really interesting with lovely, amazing little nuggets of character development. Once again, all done very organically, all done very flowingly and smoothly. It was cool. Now, you and I had a conversation off record, off the recording last week, after we finished last week's episode, talking a little bit more about Illyria. Yes. And I think it was you who recognized that there was some perhaps non-canon reference to Una being from Illyria. You know, I can't remember if I said that or if you said that. I don't remember either. Um, Anyway, we were right. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, we had a conversation about the Illyrians showing up in Enterprise. You, I know you remembered that. Wait, in Enterprise? Hi, editing Vicky here. The conversation we're having right now about the Illyrians research that I did, I completely forgot about because we talked about it right after we recorded last week's episode. And I did do some research and I realized that the Illyrians were the people that Archer left stranded when he stole their warp coil and that Casey Biggs was the captain of the Illyrian ship. But because I had to look it up, I just assumed it wasn't what I was thinking of because I was sure I've heard it before. And if I had to look it up, it wasn't what I was thinking. So once I realized I was thinking of an entirely different show, Angel, Illyria was a character in the last season of Angel, I stopped doing research and apparently wiped my brain of any other conversation that I had. And I wasn't remembering any of this when we were recording. So now back to this week's podcast. Yeah, because they stole the warp. Maybe I... I stopped doing research when I figured out that I wasn't even thinking of the show. It was a whole whole different show, so I stopped (laughs) researching it. (laughs) So anyway, I just last night said to my spouse, I seem to recall doing some research on this a little bit and una may be from Illyria, but i could be wrong so and i think you and i were pretty based on our conversation we were pretty sure this was going to be an una character development episode mm-hmm. and it was and i thought it was really well done it was and you know what it reminded me of though when things started happening it reminded me of the tng episode and you know i don't remember episode names where Troy O'Brien and I think it was Data oh, yes. were taken over by some beings that came in the storm. Yes. And so that's... What was that one? I can't remember the name of it. And Riker wasn't taken over because his arm was broken and either they couldn't inhabit an injured body or they didn't want to or whatever it was. 
Yeah, because he was in pain. Right. They couldn't, his pain receptors went off and they couldn't get in because of the pain receptors. Yeah. Right. There was I don't a, remember the name of that one either. <laughs> there was a lot of similarities. You know, they had problems beaming them up because of the storm and O'Brien had to go down, yeah. which is how he got infected too. Um, yeah. Obviously, it went in a whole different direction. They did. Yeah. And it was really interesting in the direction that they did go. But it wasn't, I guess... In this particular case, the story was not so out there that we lost the character development. Right. The focus of this story was the character development. There was good story, so it wasn't just like a you know a weak story, but it wasn't like last week's episode, which was really story driven. Yes. With little bits of character development inside. So, and, but I liked it. I thought it was well done. I did too. Yeah. I really did. So let's talk about this real fast because the story itself is not that complicated. They right. are in orbit of the planet called Hetemit 9. I think that was at Hetemit. And it's an abandoned colony of the Irelians, who were a humanoid race that the Federation wouldn't let join because they had genetically engineered themselves. Right. And of course, this is because of the eugenics wars and the augments who we hear about in Enterprise. And, you know, that we know also about um, from the original series episode, Space Seed, and also the movie, The Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. just because Khan was a product of the eugenics war. So anyway, it was just really interesting to have that tie back with the Illyrians. And so they are on this planet, try- they're essentially there to do archaeological research, to find out what happened to the Illyrians who weren't there anymore. And the theory is, is that the Illyrians were somehow wiped out either by their genetic engineering or by the terrible ion storms that sweep the planet. Which, of course, there's one bearing down on our landing party as soon as the episode starts. So we've got a time thing going on because they've got to, like, gather data real fast and then get off the planet because the ion storm will kill them. And as you might guess, they get separated. Captain Pike goes to find Spock, who's out of communications range. And then first, the first officer, number one, Una, beams away with the rest of the landing party. But... By the time the captain and Spock are ready to be beamed up, the ion storm is too strong and they can't be beamed. Yeah. So we've got the tension of the landing party trapped on the planet. And if you think it's, that's going to be the focus of the story, how to get captain and Spock off the planet before they die of the ion storm. But that's not really the main drive of the story. The main drive of the story is that one of the landing party who was exploring an open cabinet somehow gets infected with some kind of Illyrian disease and spreads it throughout the ship. And it's quite fascinating, really fascinating. I thought it was very well done. So the disease makes them need light. Somehow it depletes their bodies of vitamin D. And so they desperately need light. And so these people are going to extremes to get light. And the first one we see is Ensign Lance, who is standing next to just a light panel out in a corridor. And then as Lieutenant Ortegas goes by saying, um, why are you, you know, almost completely naked <laughs> standing next to the night light panel? And dude, can't you do that in your quarters? He actually breaks the glass of the panel trying to climb in to get to the light. And that's when she realizes there's something bad happening. And then we see Una in her quarters have a very similar reaction. All of a sudden, she is desperate for light. She increases the illumination in her quarters and she's, you know, rips her uniform to let her skin be touched by the light and then all of a sudden she has this reaction where she goes bright red Mm -hmm. and then 
she seems to be fine. So what did you think at that point? What did you think the storyline was going to be? Well, at that point, I thought because of the TNG episode that she had been taken over by the Illyrians. That was my first thought. I thought that she was not number one. She was taken over by somebody or something. I didn't think she'd been taken over, but I thought there had been something that was going to make her decisions questionable. Like she'd had some kind of change. The disease had somehow changed her perspective because she immediately calls sickbay and says are we having any problems with the landing party and dr ambega is going um yeah we are right and so she goes in and he's like how are you feeling and she says fine she doesn't he doesn't she doesn't tell him about what had happened to her exactly and that's why i thought she was taken over it was weird to me that she would call and ask about the landing party definitely but she never did show any of the other effects that the other people had right and it wasn't until halfway through that it started to dawn on me what was going on but i was surprised that when he said have you had any how do you feel she said fine and he she says how's my blood work and he says fine and that she didn't volunteer that that would have been a responsible thing for a first officer to do so something was holding her back and you thought she was taken over and i thought the disease whatever it was was stopping her from doing it and it somehow you know impacted her decision making function we're going to pause right here for a quick break we'll be right back Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back. Meanwhile, we're on the planet with Spock and Captain Pike, and they have run from the storm, and they are hiding out in the library where Spock said it was fairly solid enough to try to protect them from the storm. And they actually see these creatures in the storm. It's kind of spooky, creepy, like, I don't know how to describe them, sort of flaming... Like fireballs, but not balls. Fire creatures, yeah. Yeah. Who had a vaguely humanoid shape, and they seemed to be chasing them. So they hid in the library, and they barricaded the door. And so you're thinking, oh, goodness, you know, our guys on the planet are in jeopardy, and now the ship's in jeopardy, and they can't beam them up, and they can't do anything. Anyway, the landing party who gets sick are somehow spreading it to everybody. It's airborne. It's contact-based. I mean, it's just going through the ship like wildfire. I also, I don't know about you, but in order to get the landing party up through the ion storm, the engineer, Commander Hammer, had to give Kyle a lot of energy from the ship. Right. Including dipping the light lighting. And for a while there, I thought it was because of that that um, caused the okay. illness. Okay, yeah, I see. I wasn't really sure what caused it, but I knew, you know, usually when they have a transporter problem, <laughs> Some something's getting in. So the whole ship is go- is coming down with this, and the only person who is not impacted is Una. Well, the other person that's not impacted is Uhura, and they figured out that her roommates got this, but she didn't because she sleeps in the dark. Right. And so somehow, by depriving her body of light immediately upon infection, she somehow stopped the infection. But they can't do that with everybody else, right? It's because too- they're now like yeah. addicted to the light. It's too late. Yeah. So they decide to sedate everybody and turn down all the lights, trying to slow this down, trying to stop it. But they're still trying to figure out what's going on. 
finally, Una has to admit to Dr. Mbenga what the truth is. Mm-hmm. She is an Illyrian, and she's been genetically engineered to resist disease. And her body stopped this disease when it started. And so she wants him to take her blood to use it to make an antidote. But he can't because her body rid itself of the disease so quickly, there's nothing left to build an antidote from. Meanwhile, Lon either figures this out or overhears this. She comes out of her sedation and she overhears this and she disappears. And then we discover that she is going to overload the warp drive so she can get enough light by blowing herself up. And we see this very similarly with, this is how when Una sort of outed herself because Commander Hammer is trying to like beam molten lava onto onto the ship. And so she stuns him and then carries him, you know, and a fireman carry over her shoulder, carries him into sickbay and they're like, how can you do that? And she's like, so here's the truth. (laughs) I have superhuman strength because of my genetic engineering, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so she goes to the engineering and Lon is trying to overload the warp core and she's also furious with Una that Una never told her that she was genetically engineered. And Lon confesses, this is where, this is so fascinating. Lon essentially confesses that this stresses her out because her great-great-grandfather, whoever, great-grandfather, was, of course, Khan Noonien Singh, the Khan of Space Seed, right. the leader in the eugenics war. So she's descended from a genetically altered human being. Right. Which kind of explains why maybe she's not so susceptible to pain she may have inherited some of those traits yeah that's possible so then we get this wonderful revelation about lawn we get this revelation about una and some of the secrets that they're carrying anyway so because they were being bombarded with radiation because of the warp core overload una system somehow triggers the same repair response and she's able to grab those antibodies and give them to dr mbenga and Nurse Chapel so that they could then create an antidote from her antibodies because she got them out of her before they disappeared in her system. And here's the weird thing. She said somehow that somehow her her genetic engineering helped Lon. Did that make sense to you? She said her genetic engineering helped Lon? Yeah, she somehow that Lon did not get killed by the radiation surge that produce the antibodies because she's maybe she shielded her i don't know yeah somehow someone remotely healed her her proximity here i just looked it up her proximity to una created chimeric antibodies in her system okay i'm wondering i mean because that seems weird i don't know how do you transfer but i'm kind of wondering if maybe it's they're also kind of hiding lawns being descended from somebody who's genetically engineered and that her own system fought it off fought off the radiation poisoning. Oh, may yeah, not have been that, able to fight, fight off the Illyrian disease, but maybe fought off the radiation poisoning. Okay, so you're saying that Una's covering for her. Yeah, and okay. Chapel. Okay. So I think that was it. Lon and Una were friends because Una helped Lon get through her trauma from her family being murdered by the Gorn. And so this is really frustrating to Lon to discover that Una hadn't been completely honest with her. And so there's a really nice scene at the end here where they're talking to each other about their experiences and they kind of make up understanding that they they had this shared understanding with each other meanwhile on the planet you know we've got we're getting a resolution on the ship on the planet the fire creatures are banging on the door of the library and they finally break in and we think that they're going to attack spock and and the captain but instead what they do is protect them when the storm breaks through the window in the library why they chose a room with a window i don't know the fire creatures protect them from the storm and then 
disappear. So we figure out that these were actually the Illyrians. Yes. And they were still trying to show that they were good people. And so they were going to protect these Federation visitors on their planet. Oh, and I will also say this, that Una explains that her people use genetic engineering to, instead of terraforming planets, they essentially terraform themselves. They genetically engineer themselves to be able to function in planetary environments. It wasn't trying to make themselves stronger or better or more powerful. It was so that they could explore without changing the planet. They changed themselves instead, which was a wonderful perspective. Yes. Anyway, so then there's this question about why the transporters' biofilters did not stop this from coming in. And there's apparently a glitch. And the glitch is that there's a medical transporter in sick bay that Dr. Mbenga did not allow to be upgraded, I guess. Yeah, that's what she said, yeah. And we know that Commander Hammer was trying to sort out what was going on with the transporter and why the transporter might have left this disease in. And Dr. Mbenga wouldn't let him, you know, near the medical transporter because it was chaos and everybody was sick and you just need to get out of here. You're making things worse. And then Una goes in and says and essentially confronts Dr. Mbenga and says, you know, we had a glitch in the transporter system because you're storing something in the buffer, which I didn't think was possible. I thought that there was, you know, people would degrade. But anyway. And he admits that it's his daughter. Right. And he did say as long as he lets her out occasionally, I guess she could stay there forever. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got a disease and it was essentially going to kill her in a couple of months. And so he put her in the medical, in the transporter buffer to keep her alive in the hopes of finding a cure somewhere down the road. Right. But it somehow stopped their ability to make sure that all the transporters were fully aligned and not accidentally letting in bugs. Right. So he's like, you know, I understand and I will take her out of the buffer and we'll deal with it and I will present myself for discipline, which is exactly the same thing Una said to Pike. Right. Which I thought was really, really interesting. And actually the same thing that Lon said to Una. Because Lon hit her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty good, too. And Una just sort of took it. So Una's like, I don't remember what regulation you're talking about when Lon was like, I, I hit a superior officer. And Pike is sort of like, you know what? You're the best first officer in the fleet. I, I don't care where you came from. And Una is with the doctor. You know what? I don't know what you're talking about as far as, you know, your buffer is concerned, the, what's in the buffer. And I'm looking forward to meeting your daughter someday. So she was going to offer a dedicated power source from the work poor so that they wouldn't have a problem. It was essentially going to keep it separated from the rest of the ship so that he wouldn't have any problems ever again. Very interesting. So I almost thought, thought this one was a, was a story about daughters because we have Una, who's the daughter of the Illyrians, you know, daughter of Illyria. And we have Lon, who is the great, 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 whatever granddaughter of Khan, Nuni, and Singh. And then we have... Dr. Ambenga's daughter, who is, you know, there secretly in order to try to find a cure for her, her disease. And so I, I thought it was really interesting the way that they kind of just tied this all together. So did I miss anything? I don't think so. I enjoyed Spock and Pike's banter on the planet. Yes. It was yes. just a little bit, but it was enough. So it wasn't so serious. You know, I'm arming us with knowledge. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yes, I love that. Arming, armed with knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. The the play between them was really yeah. good. Yeah. I also really liked the way that Una seemed hesitant to sit in the captain's chair when she arrived back on the Enterprise without Captain Pike. Yeah. I mean, that can't be the first time. I thought that, I thought that was a little odd. And maybe... It was because of her background that they're dealing with her people and nobody knows it. And maybe that made her a little apprehensive. We also got to see the engine room for the first time. Pretty engine room. Yes. 
Yeah. So different than the red and orange <laughs> engine room of the original series. Yes. So Una and Pike's conversation. I was led to believe that they were just going to let it go and not talk to Starfleet about it or the Federation. Yeah, that's what that's, I was led to Is that to what you got? Too. Okay. And now with the doctor's daughter, is that going to be between him and Una or is she going to share that with people if she's dedicating her? I think uh, she's probably going to tell Pike because she's got to explain to him why she's right. shunting power directly from the warp core. Right. That's what I thought. And then obviously Lan, she's not going to talk about, I would imagine. Uh, well, and maybe this is what Pike was talking about when he said, I read your file. Oh, maybe. So that he understands that there might be um, some inherited genetic whatevers yeah. from her ancestor. That's true, yes. Which also begs the question, does she find out when the Enterprise in the future encounters her great-great-grandfather? I'd have to imagine yes, right? Yeah, you know, we we don't know what's going to happen in the series unless something happens to her before the series ends. But I would imagine if she's still around, everybody's going to know that. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So anything else? Did I miss anything from the story? No, I don't think so. Okay, great. Well, what would you give this one on a scale of one to ten? I'm going to stick with a nine and a half. Yeah, nine. I'm going to give a strong yeah. nine. I yeah. agree. I even talked my offspring into watching this because he was like... Are they doing ship in the bottle episodes? And I'm like, yep. And each one of them has been outstanding. I said, you've missed some good storytelling because he disappears. He wants to go play on his computer. Right. I was watching an interview and I don't remember where. And it was probably a month ago, two months ago. But yes, it's it's going to be ship in the bottle episodes. But there's going to be I'm trying to explain it the way a little a little little bits of arcs, little connections, little bits of arc. Like Kim and I are doing the Thirteenth Warehouse. You know, yes. in one episode, Ryan's girlfriend, he's in love with her, she's dead. The next episode, we don't even talk about it. So it's, they're saying when one episode ends, there's still going to be overlaying right, consequences. Right, that are not quite tied off. Right, to make it more realistic. And I like that. I really like that. Right. Okay, anything else we need to talk about? No, I think we're good. All right, then. Well, we invite our listeners to join us next time as we talk about... Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 4, Memento Mori. Mori? Mori. And this is a phrase that means, remember that we all die. Oh, great. Life comes to an end. So, yeah, we'll see what this one's about. Sounds uplifting. I want, I want, yeah, well, and I'm kind of wondering if it's about Pike's foreknowledge of that he's going to die. You know, remembering that he has foreknowledge. That, I don't know. Something yeah. like that. We'll see. We'll, we'll see you then. See you next week. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.